Yep. Magic or misdirection? The answer will surprise you. <laughs> That's right. We're talking. We're going to open up talking about LeBlanc, and this episode, hopefully, we're going to answer the question of who is LeBlanc. Um, we don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> End of episode. All right. Uh, so take us, take us to the question. <laughs> straight. To, so now we're at that point in the episode. Right? <laughs> that was straight to question or challenge. <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 42. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hatch. All right. We said we'd never do this, <laughs> but Riot has forced our hands. <laughs> We're contractually obligated to do this now. <laughs> we finally caught up. We're doing it. Noxus. All right. Y'all surprise. 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 <laughs> All the Noxus fans out there. I wonder. I really wonder what the contingency of fans for Noxus. Because you know, like, people are big Demacia fans. Um, you have some huge Freljord fans out there. Uh, people love ninjas. So, you know, Ionia. And pirates, Peanut. Pirates, pirates right? But, like, Noxus is... What is it? Just rebels? I, they're not even. They don't even feel like rebels. It just feels like. I mean, Noxus is more like the the big bad, you know. Like, and there's always going to be people that yeah. either want to just cheer on the, like the the accepted bad guys because you see the good, yeah. or they just like the characters that are there because. Uh, I mean, heck, the character we're going to talk about today. I, I I think you and I can confess that we're fans of this character, like. Yeah, but for the wrong reasons. Anyways, housekeeping. <laughs> That's a different show. It's like they say they hate Noxus, but they always talk about like Katarina, LeBlanc, etc. Uh, like, well, step on me, mummies. <laughs> State of the game. Housekeeping up top as always. Uh, you can listen to us everywhere. Follow us on Twitter to keep up to date on episodes. That's at Podcast Core. That's Podcast C-O-R. And you can send an email to podcastcore at gmail.com. Please leave a like, follow, and a short review slash comment. And tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to expand our influence by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. And then they, too, can also tell a friend yeah. to tell a friend it's, it's to infinite. tell a friend. <laughs> it's friends all the way down. <laughs> so what are we playing? What are we playing here? I'm playing the same deck, but I've leveled up. I have ascended. You've um, ascended. Tell me. Yeah, I've put a lot of um, probably about 200, 300 games with this deck. Oh, um, goodness. Yeah. Back in Platinum. Uh, it's been a long time since I've ever got to play this much, but I know this deck like inside and out, uh, the nuances, the matchups, uh, and I'm very comfortable with it. And it's... It's fun. It's to the point now where I finally played enough games because, you know, uh, Jeff Hoagland talks a lot about, um, you know, from the Magic days and even with Legends of Runeterra that people with Runeterra, there's such a wide range of decks that are viable. Right. Um, and every game is really close. But he says a mistake people fall into is when they get decks that are tier two or on the fringe or aren't the super popular ones. 
they don't play them enough to really understand the full scope of the deck and what the deck's trying to do. So they immediately start taking out cards and swapping things, and it's a completely new deck they end up with. Whereas I've played this deck enough, and I had to, you know, it's one of those things where I have to actively restrain myself from tweaking too early. Right. Um, because as a player, I tend to veer more to the editing side rather than the creation of new decks. So I played it, I played it, I played it. And I was like, okay, I know exactly what this deck needs to be and wants to be in any shifting meta um, as it currently stands. So I was able to tweak it and make it stronger and fit better, make it more consistent and make it do what I uh, do its original plan um, as I got higher and higher on the ladder, right? Because that's the other part is as you're going up the ladder, you're playing against more people who will make less mistakes, et cetera. So yeah, I'm really digging this deck. It's now one of my staples. It's up there with the um, the Riven Draven deck I was playing um, earlier in this, at the beginning of the season. So I now have those two decks uh, to to kind of say, hey, I'm an expert at these, at least, or intermediate. Yeah. All right. So now we just need Jory Senpai to go ahead, like, get you another list that just resonates with you. Then you'll have three decks. We're tournament pro. ready, baby. <laughs> We're tournament ready. Casuals no longer. <laughs> what are you playing? Uh, so I uh, tried to take force myself to take a break from my Sharima deck. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of went back to some good old beta days and I've been playing Heimerdinger Lux because I love Lux. I think I've said that plenty on this show. And I also just wanted to play something that I was semi-familiar with, but make it different. So, and like different for me. And I've just been doing Tri-Beam and Propulator Heimerdinger Lux. So like 23 drops in a deck with the tri-beam. Nice. And then go ham. Like just try to outvalue anyone I play. I must say, out of those 200 games plus games I've mentioned, I came across one Heimer. <laughs> no one's playing it. <laughs> and he didn't even get the card out before he was dead. But it's, you know, it's those things <laughs> where it was good to see. Um, And there are some people posting some lists that are, you know, sort of viable. That's seen some Heimer. Yeah. But Tribeam, Tribeam has gained a lot of popularity after our Lord yeah. and Savior Jory started playing I mean, it a lot. And this is this is more <laughs> of a thing where it's like I, I feel like it's going to end up popping back up in popularity. And yeah. when we get into this episode, I I can flesh it out a little bit more. But the fact that we didn't get new Piltover cards in yeah. comparison to the sets that actually got new champions, like I think there was a, what, like two? Piltover cards that got printed, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Only one of them is played, and it got nerfed. <laughs> like, True. Yeah, Piltover like, why, and why play it? Yeah, Piltover and Iona are in a rough place right now when it comes to splash ability. Uh, very limited in that sense. Uh, but yeah, so that takes us straight into the main topic for today. We're finally doing it. It's happening. Yep. Magic or misdirection? The answer will surprise you. <laughs> That's right. We're talking. We're going to open up talking about LeBlanc. And this episode, hopefully, we're going to answer the question of who is LeBlanc? Um, we don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> End of episode. All right. Uh, so take us. Take us to the question. <laughs> straight to, so now we're at that point in the episode. Right? <laughs> that I get straight straight question or challenge. <laughs> all right take, uh, take us into the first so, card here all right so we're gonna we're gonna start it off like we usually do uh talking about a spell and with this one i didn't want to go like straight up what you see every game um want to talk about bloody business 
So Bloody Business is a four mana fast speed spell and its effect is an ally with five plus power strikes an enemy. Um, so as far as with this card, one of the key parts there with it being a non-combat strike of a, of a unit on unit, the key part here is that it's an ally strikes an enemy. This is not a single combat where they're hitting each other. Like this is a one-sided affair. So if you're getting this card, like if you have legal targets to play it on and you're getting this card to pop off, it can be a gigantic swing in momentum, not only because of the fact that it's an asymmetrical damaging spell, but it's also going towards your reputation too, uh, which is important for cards like LeBlanc and Sivir. Like it's, this, if bloody business actually just resolves with no effects, it can be just devastating to a board state. Um, and the, the other reason that I wanted to talk about it is because, you know, we, we do, we do flavor here. So the little quote on this is the greatest threats are the ones that go unseen. And that's a direct quote from LeBlanc. So, uh, Noxus is very much a region of political intrigue and what's going on in the shadows. This is a, going to be a very much behind the shadows episode, and it's still a bloody business. It is still devastating. Yeah, it's it's one of the cards you, you'll see a lot on ladder. Um, usually, like a one or two of, uh, especially in with not with Noxus having so many uh, five power creatures now. Um, and things that can increase their power very easily. It just makes this more dangerous. Um, so yeah. this now gives people also a reason to splash Noxes in decks like Freljord. Uh, yeah. Focus decks as well. I, I, and we got to see that like after the whole explosion of Sivir with LeBlanc. Um, when that explosion of the new set like that kind of simmered down and people started refining it. People started bringing Ash back because uh, like the... Ash with Freljord splashing was already effective, and then that's when we really started seeing Bloody Business just start getting to work, because even if they have a way to interact with your Bloody Business, um, Flash Freezes are good. <laughs> yeah, Freljord still has some of the best burst uh, speed spells uh, in, like, in the business. In regards to, like, mitigating damage. Yeah. It's a... Uh, so we we got we got to see this card a lot more recently, yeah. but uh, you know now we're gonna go over to our follower, and uh, this is th we're gonna keep this one simple. We're going with the Black Rose Spy. It says it on uh, the tin. It's on the tin. So uh, the card itself, this is a two mana three two with reputation. Uh, reputation is the key words that the reputation only triggers if you've a, if you've dealt damage with a five power or more unit that game four times so like if you have the unit on board and they somehow don't deal damage it doesn't go towards reputation all right but the reputation on this card is when i'm summoned transform me into an exact copy of the strongest ally that struck this round so just the card itself two mana three two with the way that a lot of these reputation decks, specifically decks that are built more around LeBlanc instead of splashing LeBlanc, that two drop is needed. Like it, 
I I know the first few decks that I built, I didn't, it wasn't until I got into like game three or game four of trying them out that I went, holy cow, my early curve. I like, if I go up against an aggro deck, I'm just dead. And yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to be the aggro player. What the heck am I doing? Uh, so just the fact that it's a two mana three, two is already really good. And the reputation just makes it flexible. And anytime we talk about flexibility on the show, we're going to harp on, yeah, if it's a flexible card, it's a good card. Um, and and it fits, it fits kind of into the Runeterra paradigm where you can tell, unlike a lot of other card games that focus on cards that have very singular focus and usability, you know, they focus on, hey, how do I make a card have a wide spectrum from begin from aggro to mid-range to control usability right without everything being broken so it's like it's cool that they're continuing this pattern of making strong cards that have different uh different usabilities throughout the game because that way it just creates more strategy as you move forward and it keeps games very close um, yeah. it makes every decision matter more uh, so it's definitely a foundation for how good runeterra is uh round to round and to kind of harp on that point as the filthy casual of the casuals, um, like it, it makes deck building fun because yeah. then you could, as someone who just like builds really stupid stuff without really worrying about how to ladder, like I, I have built a couple decks of like, okay, what's something stupid that I can try to copy with Black Rose Spy? Um, and so I built, <laughs> I had a, a control deck that was Sharima Noxus with um with Gnosis. And so like the goal was to hold on to Black Rose Spy so I could just copy Gnosis over and over again. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> but I I had a I had a lot of fun just trying to get these boards like uh built up with um uh with the three the three mana five one and then try to reckoning something and just win yeah. off of a reckoning. <laughs> it's the classic uh, commander mentality where it's not just about the win more. It's the win more to the win more to, to win the, more to the win more to the win more. <laughs> Why should I beat you with a cyclonic rift <laughs> when every deck is doing that? When I could instead beat you with a card that no one's seen in 15 years. <laughs> I found it in the back of an ancient temple. And, there are a couple prints. And the last point that I'll make on the Black Rose Spy is that the the flavor text on this passes us over to our LeBlanc story really well, which is a secret is only worth the cost of keeping it. Yep. And uh, there's a there's a lot of different secrets that get kept and a lot of different secrets that get released just to keep another secret. It's a... It's a fun little story. So what what's uh what's the cost of LeBlanc secrets? What is the cost of LeBlanc secrets? So we've made the joke up to this point, and I guess we've got to dash the hopes away of keeping that as long as possible, but we're finally here. And the reason is because Noxus, we kind of left it to the end here. You know, we have a grand scheme in this. Don't worry. We're grand planners. Um, Noxus is a very important region to the history of everything um, because – We've talked about the ancient things in the ice of Freljord, and we've talked about, you know, deep secrets in Bilgewater and so on and so forth. You know, the secrets in Targon uh, when it comes to celestial powers. But when it comes to why things are the way they are, uh, a lot of that is shaped by what goes on in the Noxian Empire. 
Yeah, a lot of what we kind of talked about before would be like prehistoric. And the Noxus story is the beginning of the history. Like this, yeah. like the humans that or well, the beings of Runeterra that we talk about, they start with Noxus. Yeah, so much so that one no, we're we're touching on a little bit of lore things here that are not specific, but um, and and later episodes we're working on stuff where we'll get you guys that that content outside of the champions, but so much so the calendar is based on Noxus, like Noxus created the calendar that is used in Rune Terra, right? It's BN and AN, which is before Noxus and after Noxus, yeah. because in the early days, Noxus is the culmination of a lot of scattered tribes and armies and and, and um, uh, civilizations, very similar to like Mongolian history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and again, as far as like it's before Noxus. And then we, the what we get to see, you know, the present quote unquote is after Noxus. Like this is, this is the turning point. Uh, so eat your heart out, Christianity. Like, <laughs> like we, we've got Noxus, baby. And the second point to make, lore wise, is the Rune Wars. The Rune Wars are very uh, important to know here. So just the basis understanding of it. Um, if you play League of Legends, that's kind of how they start everything off before the lore started kicking off. Was this concept of post Rune Wars, and the Rune Wars were essentially this historical war um, that was conducted mainly by mortals who got their hands on some very powerful world ruins or runes. Sorry, I, I know we have ruins in this in our lore. So. <laughs> Runes, um, in order to fight each other, and that was essentially like mutual assured destruction. Um, destroyed multiple civilizations that we hear about, land masses completely reshaping things, and history just the loss of history. And you know, even in the real world, we know how devastating it can be when you lose huge chunks of recorded history. Uh, but that plays in favor of what we're going to get into today. Yeah. And it's this is also like one of the retcon things, but that yes. kind of yeah. holds true, which is that these the rune wars are important to learn because it's after the rune wars, the way that they were settling disputes to make sure that they weren't getting caught into like the rune terror version of a nuclear fallout. Mm-hmm. The way that they did it is by summoning champions to battle it out in specified arenas. And that is League of Legends. Like yes. League of Legends, what the game you play is how these nations settle disputes now. So yep. it's it's all connected. It's it's a beautiful picture. It, it all comes together. But yeah, we're gonna talk about LeBlanc. So LeBlanc is the matron of the Black Rose, which is essentially a secretive cult, something you've seen in a lot of different uh, type of fantasy-based things. Uh, Her true origins are unknown and maybe even unknown to herself, since there may be this concept of succession uh, with obscurity. So, you know, deception and mimicry are kind of what caused this muddling of history, along with some other things that we'll get into. Uh, because it's funny when you play with history enough and when you affect the flow of politics for such a long amount of time, sometimes you get caught in the shuffle. It's unfortunate. Uh, but the Black Rose itself is a concept and an organization that is older than Noxus, which kind of fuels why they have so much power within it. All right, and if you need to take a moment to pause the show here so that you can have all your Illuminati theories, throw them out there. Just go ahead, get it out of your system. We're, we're, we're talking about the Black Rose. No Illuminati yeah. stuff here. 
<laughs> so their their motives are, are the motives as we know it are kind of straightforward. They focus on affiliating with rich and powerful people. That's how they gain influence and maintain it over this period of time. The oldest known history that they that people kind of it's still one of those spoken word type things, but they say that LeBlanc herself, the original LeBlanc, if you know she is still the original. Uh, was aiding the Broken Barbarian tribe in their fight against the Iron Revenant, who we know as Mordekaiser. Ooh, we already got a name drop. Already. And, we'll have a couple uh, of those. Yeah, if for anyone who's not familiar with League of Legends, Mordekaiser is a champion in League of Legends, but he has not made an appearance in Runeterra. But that the fact that we have LeBlanc, maybe, who knows? Yeah, and we'll get into Mordekaiser as he existed before and Mordekaiser later once he pops up or maybe later down the road. We'll see. Hopefully. Uh, it's a cool champion that caused a lot of headaches for a long time. <laughs> so many. <laughs> but how she did this was, you know, kind of standard espionage practice. She worked her way into his inner circle and then betrayed him. Pretty straightforward. And, you know, to this day, most people don't know that uh, the greatest trick she pulled off was concealing the knowledge of this arcane power involved with his power uh, that they thought was eradicated before the Nox Empire rose. So it still exists in some form. And with that, she also removed herself from the history. So the battles between the tribes and Mordecai's and all that, there is no mention of her. It's more because it, now it's just become a uh, rumor of sorts, right? Something you hear on the streets of Bilgewater. Yeah, you know, it's it's the I like just passed on by word of mouth, but nobody's got facts and it's just a crazy conspiracy theory. Right? Right? Just conspiracy, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, the Noxus Empire was born. It's as simple as that. It's on the backs of men fighting for God and country. <laughs> so so these are the beginnings. Then we shift into this new age of the Black Rose where uh they start to control that magic itself and relegate it to political power figures, right, from the shadows. So they're they're like a shadow broker, but for arcane magics, which is kind of the most dangerous thing you can have um, on some levels. More scary than people who just deal with, like, fake bills, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this is, you know, what, fake money, world-destroying power. Yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. <laughs> this yeah, is Black Rose controls right. Bitcoin. All right, so now we need a petition to go ahead and start our Bitcoin. It'll just be LeBlanc's face on it. All right. I'm down. This is it. We're doing it. This is our breakthrough. This is our first piece of merch. <laughs> <laughs> Buy so, our Bitcoin. <laughs> Buy uh, our Blanc coin. All right, so... <laughs> So their influence at this point has not only take, taken hold of Noxus, but exists outside the borders as well. And um, so many places are under their influence. And that means that for hundreds of years from this point forward, LeBlanc kind of serves as an advisor for powerful people. Now, you say that casually, you blink, wait, wait, hundreds of years? How does that work? Um, one thing you can look into uh, her direct influence is if you listen to our lease episode, which this is a this is a throwback. You're going go back to our early catalog. Uh, we do talk Maybe. about yeah, we talk we we talk about Elise and this mysterious person who helps her in her influence against her husband before she goes to the Shadow Isles, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely check that out for more details. Um, but 
new matrons kind of always take the position as it's known, but no one really knows which one is the real her. So it's a case when we say magic or mixed direction or misdirection, it's both, right? We know, we know that, or we assume the history of magic plays something into it. We know she exists in some form in, in, in current times, but we also know that there are multiple versions of her, whether those are magical or whether those are people. It's, it's the perfect muddling where it's like, okay, we're not only going to remove history, we're going to contort it and keep it confusing forever. Forever. And you'll never know. Like any, like, even if you get to, Pull the veil back and you never get truly to know. Speak to LeBlanc. Did you actually speak to LeBlanc? Well, now that you ask the question, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to her main victim in the history that we know. So we're now current. We're more current uh, here, which is Borum Darkwill, which is somebody we've mentioned in Riven's episode. Uh, so check that one out as well if you want some more details there. But that was one of her latest targets and the one that leads to her first befuddlement as the matron herself. So the Black Rose, as Borum Darkwell is kind of rising to power, he's a very uh, egotistical man. They aid him. They're essentially like a lobbyist where they're like, we'll help you grab the throne. And he's like, okay, cool. But then he refuses their counsel as he starts to gain more power. So he's going against the order that made him. It's like, I made you. I can take you out of this world. <laughs> I brought you in. I'll take you out. Uh, and and it is very much like a lobbyist is probably the best way to describe yeah. it because it is like these. This is where the money came from to get the campaign underway, get him into office, and now he's turning his back on the lobbyist. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a lot of drama happening. A lot of anime is about to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> so he refuses their counsel and LeBlanc's like, all right, cool. And she finds this, uh, at the time, fairly young gentleman uh, known as Jericho Swain, who is a up-and-coming general, uh, a brilliant mind when it comes to war. And she uses him to actually expose her own order. And in the exposing of the Black Rose, uh, he gains some power and recognition, but she gets executed, right? I mean, right? We all know she got executed. LeBlanc was the one that approached Swain. LeBlanc was the one that revealed this information. And LeBlanc was the one that was taken in by Swain to be executed. So, right? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> But this is the thing. No one really is sure, right? No one's ever sure because not too soon after, she contacts Borum Darkwill after her execution. And now he's in the space of, okay, not only do I know I messed with the wrong people, this woman who was executed and is publicly known to be dead has just contacted me. So he's starting to lose his mind. Right, you're starting to have the the Mad King syndrome kick in. Like, can can we even say that he's starting to lose his mind? Like, this this is that seems like a pretty rational response to me at this point of just like, oh man, oh man, these I got I got in with the wrong crowd. Now all these people in the wrong crowd are dying. I might die, but now these dead people are telling me, hey, we still got this. And I think it's pretty rational to just kind of have a little bit of a breakdown at that point. No, no. Yeah, it's completely rational uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> <per se. laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, LeBlanc coming back, talking to him, being in contact with him makes him cons, uh, contemplate this concept of more of mortality and immortality and how these things are happening around him. And she starts to poison his mind with the thoughts of you can achieve this, too, um, if you trust in the council, if you trust in the Black Rose. So despite his, you know, his turnabout on the Black Rose originally, uh, they continue to make him more powerful in his stance, even though he's going more mad. So they come up with this plan together to bring disgrace to the name of Swain, who now has a new reputation. Wink, nod, wink. Wink, wink. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's hard for Swain to do since he doesn't have, since he has less than five attack. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whoa, don't give it all away. We'll have a Swain episode. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Just show a little leg. You can't, you can't give it all up on the first date. <laughs> so that was the original plan they came up with. Things didn't go according to plan, which is something that usually doesn't happen with the Black Rose because they control everybody's plan. They're playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. So Swain's goal was not for glory for himself. It's glory for the Noxon Empire. When you think about Swain when it comes to motive, think about Garen. It's the same kind of drive, um, different people in a sense, but it's very hard to corrupt someone that does not only think, feel, and act for themselves. Yeah, and that is the biggest reason that LeBlanc is going through these very elaborate and deep plots as far as continuing to give power to Bram because of, or well, to Dark Will. Yeah. Because Swain is not someone that she can manipulate. Like, the Swain is there fighting for God and country and someone who is very convicted about that. You can't, you can't tell them what to do. Yeah. Especially when your, your motives go against that core belief. And that's the whole reason why that LeBlanc is like, okay, no, no, I'll go ahead and die so that I won't die so that I can take this guy, you know, get this guy reigned under control because it's the only way I can reign him under control. Um, if I could figure out how to die without dying, though, like that'd be, <laughs> I, I think that'd be, help me explain it a little better. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> you're doing your best, Hatch. You're doing your Whew. best. It's a, it's a lot of turns. M Night Shyamalan's also over here, just eating his heart out too. <laughs> Writing credits. <laughs> so you know that plan goes out the window, and what ends up happening is Swain takes his newfound following because a man of the people is always going to have more power than a mad king who's slowly losing his mind um, with the Black Rose behind him. And he uses that power to drag Darkwell from the throne and take it for himself, not as a king or as a ruler, but as a grand general. And this is where you get into the uh, the military might uh, section of the Noxian history, the military-driven politics, the liberation-driven politics. We'll get there in Darius episodes and in Swain episodes. But for now, we keep moving on because LeBlanc's like, okay, cool. Darkwell was just a tool, right? And this is around when Riven came back, by the way, mm-hmm. um, from if you listen to that episode. But he's just a tool, a means to an end. Everyone is just a tool for her. So she's like, okay, cool. I can't corrupt Swain, but I'll be back. And she takes her business elsewhere for the time being. So 
LeBlanc in the grand scheme of things is a major cog in this wheel. The Black Rose is a bigger organization, but she's what's driving this engine since the beginning. I mean, she's the one reason for the fuel, the arcane energy that that kind of drives their power uh, mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to influence. I mean, what if there is what if there is no actual like Black Rose organization? Like, what exactly. if it literally is just all LeBlanc? I mean, she is everywhere. She is everyone. So maybe that could be the case. Who knows? But yeah, uh, like LeBlanc is still out there, still in the shadows and just waiting for the next puppet to start getting back into where she wants to be. Yeah. And remember, we have concepts like we always refer to like Nocturne and Kindred, these things that are greater, these more menacing concepts outside of just up thing. They're, they're, they're more than that. So what if she's not even a person? What if she's a concept of chaos, right? Uh, because like, what is her goal? It's still mysterious of no matter how much control and power they have over history, what does the Black Rose want? It's always a good thing to ask, and no one has fully realized it yet out of, after hundreds of years. That's what makes this all so terrifying, and that's where we're left off. All right. So let's and- hop into this card. Yeah. So how how do you translate that into a card? Uh, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) This, uh, this card caused a lot of hubbub when it came out. It was one of the final cards to be revealed from the last set. Uh, people were expecting something cool and flashy with LeBlanc's ability, something with teleportation or, you know, creating copies. And it's simply a three cost five, two with quick attack. That flips hey. when you do 15 plus damage. <laughs> not, not just when you've dealt 15 plus oh, damage. when you've seen. When, you, when yeah. she has seen yeah. 15 plus damage. Uh, and I, I'll be the first, I'll be the first to, you know, admit too that I was, I was also agreeing that it's like, I thought I was going to be the only one that played this card when it came out because it was like, I was like, this is hot garbage. It dies yeah. to Mystic Shot. It's a three drop that dies to Mystic Shot. Like, I, I think I went blue in the face saying that. And um, uh, so I I had to eat crow because LeBlanc has seen a bunch of play. Yeah. Um, everyone I, had to eat crow. Everyone had to eat crow on that. But I, I, a part of it is because LeBlanc does get some good value when she flips. So Yes, yes. And the funny thing about this is she exists also in a realm where Sivir exists, which is there was a direct comparison for people uh, that they didn't like. They were like, why not just pay one more for an insane upgrade? Uh, but the <laughs> quote on this more? is very interesting. It's written with intent, as you can tell. It's now, now, no need to squabble amongst ourselves. For the moment, we will refrain from any rash action. Let us reconvene once we've heard from our emissaries after all it's like a it's one of those things that drives you mad because you don't have to use the collective we so much in one sentence (laughs) and we know what you're doing (laughs) you magic demon So then the quote that finishes it off on the flip version. So the flip version is a three cost six three standard buff mechanic there of the plus one plus one. She keeps quick attack and she gets each time I see you deal 15 plus damage, create a mirror image in hand. And if you already have one, reduce its cost by one instead. 
And what Mirror Image does, it's a two cost slow spell that has summon an exact ephemeral copy of an ally with five plus power. Um, yeah. Yeah. At that point, you win, though. Like, it's flipping oh, yeah. a Blanc. Yeah. If you're able to flip a Blanc, you lose control of the game. And it, it's, it's a win more at this point. I mean, because, like, having one, you're having to deal 15 damage. Like, yeah. I, I don't care how much healing you've got. That's still a lot of damage to yeah. be trying to play People around. Have 20 health. Remember that. Um, and so, one, you're dealing 15 damage. So, like, your board is probably going to be less than the LeBlanc board if LeBlanc <laughs> is flipping. Yeah. And then, on top of that, a lot of the cards that deal more than five damage that got really popular when LeBlanc came out are overwhelmed cards. So you're losing a lot of face health as well as losing the board at the point that LeBlanc is flipping. So that the mirror image, I think it's, it was really cool because that's basically the only part of this card that we have like a translation from her character in league of legends to this game that's it like it, the she does not play in league of legends like she doesn't rune Terra at yeah. all other than the mirror image and then even then it's like it's not that important because and you could tell that riot knew it wasn't that important because it is a two mana slow speed spell like it's you know they're not make, trying to make it busted at all it's like no like if we know what we know what you're playing if you're flipping leblanc you're 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 counting down from 20 that that's what you're playing <laughs> yeah and then the quote on this card we get after the continuation of the previous quote is or quote is after all we all want the same thing and the cool thing about the flipped image which is what caught the most attention uh from people was it's leblanc looking into a polished table with her hand on it there's a glass of wine but it looks like a mirror reflection of different versions of herself a lot of the a lot of the art here art direction is about mirrors kind of representing her as more than just herself is it a trick mirror is it magical reflection or are there multiple versions of her which as hetch lent to is she the whole black rose and when we say she we mean all of them when we say them we mean her and i know that's confusing and but and we, and we, and we, and we, and us, and we. <laughs> so that's it. That's LeBlanc. Yeah, like, I, I, this is, LeBlanc is a great story for us to pick yeah, up on Noxus. I think, I, I do think that even though we're here, I think our Noxus fan listeners out there are still going to be a little tilted at us because our first Noxus. They're still here. Our first Noxus <laughs> champion isn't even one of the original <laughs> Noxus characters that came out with the game. <laughs> but but LeBlanc's story, like since it is a part of the very beginning yeah. of Noxus, that's not completely in the shadows, because once we get into more characters, like Vladimir's been there a very long time too. But LeBlanc was there from the beginning, but also had her hand in the building of Noxus and sets the tone to what Noxus as a region is. Demacia is very much law and order. Noxus is all about political power. This mm -hmm. is about your standing, like uh, the names of the cards kind of make this comparison for me. It's about your standing in the Re the Roman Republic. Like, you, you know, like your seat on the council and all this, uh, your seat on the council, how many ears you got listening to you and the love of the people. 
it all combines into this. So the politics play a much, much more major part in this than even compared to Demacia. Yeah. It's, if you so, had to listen to one episode outside of this one, definitely listen to the Lee's episode because the politics play a big part in her story um, as well, uh, which feed into what the Black Rose wants. So this is the part in the episode where we usually have a question or challenge for Hedge and myself. Oh, and no. this one's pretty straightforward. Okay, uh, I like I like hearing straightforward. Would you be involved with the Black Rose? Oh. <laughs> he said, "Oh, <laughs> oh." It, it's funny, Hatch, because it's a trick question for this episode. You don't have a choice. <laughs> That's. <laughs> That's how hard it was to come up with something for this episode. Yeah, it, it's like I thought about it and I was like, huh, would I work with this organization? But it, you wouldn't even know you were doing it. And that's what makes it so scary. Yeah. I mean, just think about having enough power to know that you were doing it. That I think that's more of the thing. Like, would you have enough power in Runeterra to even know that you were doing the Black Roses bidding? Hedge, um, how good would you look in a blue and green wig? by the way just just a random question just random um how do you do with dark lipstick so first off i don't like where this line of questioning is going <laughs> second off uh i have i actually have a mixture of like blue green eyes so that wig yeah. would actually make my eyes pop okay that's, that's why i wear a lot of baby blue shirts it's, okay. Uh, okay it's great with my eyes i know i know how i look I know what I'm working with. I know what I'm working with. <laughs> Ain't no shame in my game. Um, and with that, you got something else? Yeah, just you What's know, that? just a one last point, which is because LeBlanc is so many faces. LeBlanc yeah. is everywhere and everyone. I I just really want to thank uh, the people at Riot and more importantly, six more vodka for at least <laughs> letting us have this LeBlanc. Like six more vodka, you are my hero. I did not deserve this LeBlanc. And I thank you every yeah. day. For Dude, this they, they made her look very approachable, which is on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing. We know what they're doing, but it still fits in the lore, and they do that so well. Yeah. And otherwise, just uh, thanks to everyone listening and stay tuned because it, we're to date this episode, we're entering spoiler season. Hey. Yeah. So. Over here at the Casuals Rune Terra, that's even more exciting because that just means more people to talk about. Hey. And I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody.